Good afternoon, good afternoon. You know what that growl indicates. It is time for another podcast featuring yours truly, the Fifth Water Wildcat. And I'm not going to call him a regular just yet. Got to earn them stripes a little bit more. But Dr. Kenyatta Cavill is joining us. This is another Cajun Fifth, Fifth Ward Wildcat podcast. Wildcat, what is on your brain, sir? Well, let's see. What's on my brain today? College sports is on my brain today. Football is around the corner. Everybody's having our media days. We just finished up yesterday with Texas Southern University. Um, have yet to make an adventure down the highway, down the road, as they say, to Prairie View, but that's coming. But the what transpired yesterday, they have a new, <coughs> excuse me, new defensive coordinator, uh, gentleman that's uh, been in uh, with uh, is familiar with uh, Coach Ashbury, that been coaching back for a while. He was formerly at Southern for a while. Uh, Coach Ashbury mentioned that yesterday he tried to get him at Shaw, but the timing wasn't right. Uh, but now the timing is right. Uh, coach is ready to, to uh, uh, coach Bite. Michael Bite. Yes, he's ready to tell you what. It's going to be interesting. Defensive coordinators, these guys here, looking at them eye to eye, that means it's, it will put some hits down on some folks. Gentlemen at uh, at U of H and uh, uh, at uh, TSU, both around you know right, right around six feet. It's, for the style fella. But I wanted, one thing that I, I noticed yesterday is the same thing I noticed at U of H. Defense is ready. The guys talk, talk about this guy. TSU has a new strength and conditioning guy. And they, uh, they all rave about him. But since Texas Southern wasn't able to have spring training, they spent time in the gym. They spent time out on the track. They spent time in, in the weight room. The guys are ready to go. Uh, I hear some guys mention they were talking about doing some, some two-mile runs and some mile runs and alternating back and forth, you know, seven days a week. I was like, y'all ready for the heat? He said, are we doing it just water? Pack the water with us and we don't run to the sideline. We're getting it done there. Whatever we need to do, we're getting it done every day. And uh, Coach mentioned, uh, Coach Ashbury mentioned the same thing that uh, other coaches have mentioned. Two weeks, put the depth chart, uh, chart together, and then start putting the game plan together. Right now, it's, it's, they're trying to get it all done in, in, with, uh, in two weeks. He said, uh, this first week has been heavy. And the fact that they've got nine quarterbacks, Dr. Coville, I tell you, that was the big question of the day yesterday. How did you put nine quarterbacks in a position of a two-week period with no spring training? You're trying to get it all done in fall drills, put a depth chart together, and then a game plan. <coughs> And I got a bit of surprising news that I can't tell you where or the name yet. But there's a, there's a tenth one that might be in there that might have the lead. A transfer has found his way on campus. Wow. Which should make things interesting. And to go back to what Chris alluded to in terms of not being a regular yet, I can agree with that. He makes me go back to my pledging days. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, man, you frat, you but you're not a brother yet. You got to prove it. You got to earn it. You got to I, can, I can respect that, and I happen to be a man of Alpha for those that are saying, all right, what fraternity is he talking about? My dad. Then you, see, good man, we already know. That's why he trusted me on the table. It's something about being the first of all, servants of all. But I would throw this out there. It's interesting that you went and talked about the defensive side of the ball because you're talking about University of Houston. You just talked about Texas Southern University. Well, as you said, going down there on 290, that rival 
the Texas Southern Prairie View, and they have a new defensive coordinator too, Charles McMillan, and they'll be moving from the 4-3 to 4-2-5 to try to defend against the spread offense that everybody's doing. They want to get more speed on the field, which okay. is the same thing with Texas Southern. Yeah. They'll be small, but they'll be fast and quick, so it'll be interesting to, to see what is going on here. Now, I said I couldn't give you the name of the transfer that's coming in, but the one that is leading the way that you asked the question about, about having nine quarterbacks, and Coach did say he's fine trying to look for somebody to lead the team. The one that you might have a little bit of a heads up is Redster Jr. Jamal, Jamal Small, because he's been there and at least understands the offense. So we'll be looking to see if this heralded transfer, until we can give you the name, maybe next week, uh, give you something to listen to and catch us back again. You know how we tease. Uh, tease. That's a good tease. Oh, good tease. Boy, I good tease. I'm good learning tease. quick. I'm learning from the best. Well, I, let me ask this question. The one thing I wasn't given yesterday, uh, I don't know whether it's because uh, they got some things working, they're trying to put some, some, some situations in, but wasn't given a, uh, a, a practice time, a definite practice time now for everybody. Well, uh, he's very fluid in terms of Coach Asbury. Okay. You're welcome to come out there. He has open practice. Let me make sure that that's clear. But sometimes things change in terms, particularly right now with the Texas heat, because they'll move from outside to inside, depending where that temperature gauge. They want to make sure they're acclimated in terms of the heat, but they also want to protect themselves. I can give you a little overview in terms of everybody came into camp sometime next week. And so this weekend, over the weekend, just about everybody uh, in terms of HBC sports, and I would suggest many of the other ones as well, had a chance to finally put on the pads sometime this weekend where they had some type of scrimmage. So I'm sure it was interesting as uh, we're talking about the real hits are coming. Well, you know, speaking of putting on the pads, the new baby in town, HBU, they finally put the pads on on Friday. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, they get there early in the morning, watch the sun come up over the east, and uh, oh, that's, that's, and whistles blowing and football talk is, is going back and forth. About 6.45, between 6.45 and 7, and, and 7 o'clock, they got going with drills, and then by 7.15, 7.30, they went into, all right, line them up. Uh-oh. Welcome to football. This is football say, country, Houston. You know, it's, it's, everybody got their shot now. They got their, because they got 95 guys out there right now. I'm going to ask how many guys are uh, right now, yeah. But they, like I said, they have a abbreviated schedule, so they're working on a, on a different uh, 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 type team situation as far as the amount of players and all the, the scholarship situation is still small. Sure. It, uh, but uh, that's coming. They get some things done. Yeah, right most now. programs as they build the program, when they come in, they'll play a very limited schedule and they'll have a roster of maybe 85 people, but they'll only give a limited amount of scholarships. And there's two reasons for that. Because they want to have scholarships for next year when different players come in. And the NCAA only allows you to give up so many scholarships in a year. So you have to build, and that's why you see programs do a step process where they play a abbreviated schedule before they jump into a full schedule. Doc, let me ask you this real quick. Get back to those nine Texas Southern quarterbacks. How many of or do you know how many of them are, are freshmen? Uh, four of them are freshmen, is my understanding. And then you have the fact that you have a transfer student that played under uh, Asbury Shaw that obviously had to sit out of here because he was transferring up, which is Kazi. Mm-hmm. So uh, Homer Kazi, a 6'3", 215-pounder, redshirt junior, uh, although he'll be looking like a freshman. You have freshman Tracy Johnson, 
who's an outstanding athlete who came in and beat you with his feet or his arms in terms of what he can do. So there are some things. And then when we talked about uh, Mario Smalls, which is the former quarterback, you remember Rico Smalls, right. that's his brother. So okay. those are some things to look at. But there are about four of them that are true freshmen coming in. And I'm looking at, we're all looking at the, uh, what do you want to call it, the media name, guide, whatever you want to call it, TSU. Yeah. There's uh, 79 players, according to this information, on the on the squad. So 79 TSU, you said 95 at Houston Baptist, so that's kind of interesting right there. But TSU, of course, is coming off all of their, right. and their that's part penalties, of if you want to call them, sanctions, basically, that's for the NCAA. So, uh, yeah, the combination of coming off of the sanctions doesn't allow you to necessarily give the full lot of scholarships. And then if you're Houston Baptist, as you're building a program, you're going to overload because you know you're going to have some sure. uh, problems with people doing the matriculation, not necessarily academically, but more or less in terms of those that really want to go through this grind. Uh, and, and at Prairie View, it's my understanding, they have 80 out there. Last last week we talked about ticket prices for the Labor Day Classic coming up between PV and TSU. Any info on that? Why can't you? Not, you? not any whatsoever. Uh, and since uh, people at BB, 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 VA Conference is not involved, uh, they didn't have any comment on it. But it was. I yeah, they're the broker, so they'll. they'll I, I asked the question. You know, and you should ask the question. It's a very fair question. One thing I will be able to say. Um, that these ticket prices this year are the same ticket prices last year. Now, that doesn't necessarily make it a good thing that the prices are high, but that's what they gauge uh, the interest level to be in terms of their ticket prices. They are significant in terms of the price. You're talking about 40 plus. Now, they do have some uh, tickets that they believe are affordable 15, but they tend to be in the end zone, so they're not quite as inviting as those 40 line seats. Uh, in terms of my research in HBCU sports, they are the highest ticket prices. The next really? highest ticket price is in the SWAC also at Southern University to give you some. Uh, that's on campus. Correct. Wow. That, that's interesting. But it's like that old saying, you got a new stadium, nice, you pay for the. That's true. That is true. You pay, for, true. The, you you pay for it being so nice. Uh, hopefully that they've done their homework in terms of the marketing and branding and understanding, promotional and understanding, is that a price point that people can afford? Because you can do yourself a disservice and price it based on what you need to sell to make a profit, but then if people are not, in the people that your demographics that you're targeting, if they're not able to afford it, then you'll get a reduction in terms of your attendance. So it's a slippery slope. That, that's why I brought that up last week and I'm not, until the powers that be uh, SWAC office for uh, the uh, football championship and the uh, men's and women's basketball tournament until they make it uh, decide on what price they are, you know, they're going to be charging. I'm still of the adverse uh, mentality that uh, it's about getting them in the building first and then making them buy once they get there because you got to get fans in the stands. It, it, quite a few games last year. Even the, the early morning uh, 11, uh, 11 o'clock game that was that was scheduled, right? Um, it was cooler, but still, it was a lot of empty seats. Right. I can't disagree with you, but I'm gonna go back and not be the professor on the show too many times. But in this case, as I would tell my students in sports marketing, uh, 134 is the fact that you really need to really gauge. What is your mission? That's the first question you should ask yourself. Right. And you're assuming that the mission is to get them in the well, seat, which would make sense I'm in a lot of cases. But as I say, you have to really understand what do you want to achieve 
in terms of your goals. If you want to fill the stadium, which provides some other opportunity down the road, then you need to market towards that. If you want to meet a certain price point. But the question that you really go to in marketing, and i got to get this on the record, uh, those people that uh, get into marketing is, there's individuals that take marketing as a science. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's either been in business or the sports side of marketing understand that companies actually will do significant 40, 50, some of them 70-page studies where they'll ask a group of demographic people that you're trying to market to a questionnaire, a series of questionnaires. They'll look at the demographics, which just give you basic uh, things, male, female, age, income, ethnicity, things of that nature. But then what you really want to get into is what you call psychographics, where you start thinking about what is the thought pattern of your consumer? How do you get them attached? Okay. And that's where you should really be basing your decision on your ticket pricing. I'll leave it at that. Okay, because the Labor Day Classic is August 31st, right. three weeks from yesterday. And that's it, right. And it almost, it's almost at a point to where it somewhat sells itself only to which is a dangerous. I hope they're not doing that. Uh, only, only, only to, to the You're right. Where it's dangerous. Depending on who's hosted here, whether we are hosting at this year the uh, BBVA conference or whether we are hosting at Reliance. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's almost like okay, I'm in the conference zone. I got a roof over my head. Let me go. So you know, it's, it's, I know what's there. So let me toss this, this out there. Has radio, radio ads been? Started yet? Where they've been put on? I know they purchased the radio. I think it starts this week. Okay, one oh two. One oh two ninety seven point five ESPN. So both uh, ninety seven nine the box. Okay, yeah. And ESPN radio. And then how about uh, twelve thirty KCOH? Anything? Anything going on over there? I think there was some discussion about doing some marketing on there, but I'm not sure what it is. Okay, well at least the radio advertising was going to start. So that's that's a yeah, great So this is about time to start and be mentioned and start to get the uh, ball rolling and get people to buy tickets and come out to the Labor Day and see a, a rivalry. And I think it's going to be a good game, a good matchup between two. Well, I think it'll be, uh, for those that are wavering or whether to see this game, if you're an offensive type guy, yeah, this is the game you want to be there. This the ball should be flying in the air. Don't worry about the defensive side of the ball. Now, these guys, we open it up talking about defense, but this might not be the places for the new defensive yeah, coach. This ain't the game. <laughs> this ain't the one game. This is not that game. Because as much as Coach was talking about defense, because he, he basically said, we got to learn how to stop people. Right. He said, if we can, if we can learn how to stop people, it's up to me to find a way to score. I agree with you. And then Prairie View's quarterback, DeAndre Smiley, remember I told you last oh, year, yeah. he had 700 yards in the game, which is, was crazy to most people against Southern. And so if he, he'll be healthy at least, you would think, unless something happens in tra- coming in the first game. But the question is, is can he maintain himself? Remember last year, they were putting all kinds of points on the Texas Southern defense, and then he got hurt. And yeah. could not return right. after halftime, and they had a problem struggling, scoring. They scored late, and looked like they would be in a decent place. But then, as we know, history, uh, they kicked the field goal for the Texas Southern Tigers to get that victory. You know, in special teams, uh, Coach talked about that yesterday, uh, that, that uh, uh, it'll be better. And that's the way he put it. He wouldn't get into specifics, but he said it'd be better. The other thing that he, he talked about yesterday uh, was – that's a good one because they lost Robert Hirsch, who was a kicker and a punter, and he won two games for them last year. And it was two important games. It was two important games. The first one, 
which matters to everybody. It's your line. Can't get much bigger than that around here. But he mentioned that the one thing that he saw, and he didn't relate it to being why he had brought nine quarterbacks in. But you, we all saw last year, they went from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback as the season went on. They were down to pretty much, like, who have, who has played the position? Yeah, well, a lot about it. Yeah. You know, who, who can you, you put in this week and all and just hope they finish the game? And we remember, the two quarterbacks got hurt when they played up. FBS program went to North Texas. Yep. In the same game. They yep. lost two guys. And, and uh, he, they, he wants them to be healthy. He's hoping that they... That they stay, that everybody's, that the position stay healthy, the depth chart stays healthy. Because trying to fill guys in, he wants to, to redshirt some guy, wants to be in a position to redshirt this year. That's what he, that's what he's hoping for. That's why he wants the two week deal and to get the situation. And yes, sir. No, no, keep on going. Like, yeah. No, I agree with you because they need, as we talking about that, what, you need help, but the biggest offensive thing they have is their wide receiver play. And they need a Fred Plummer, a senior, to, to step up big and really, take off some of the pain in terms of what your expectation of at least a new quarterback. They have a running back that was the top Juco running back coming into camp. Uh, they also have, obviously, Lovings coming back, who was a very solid running back. So you know, although he likes to uh, throw the ball, he's going to put the ball in the hands of his running backs and then try to open it up for plays down the field for these receivers. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Doc. TSU was picked last it lasts in terms of the coaches in the uh okay. and I think that'll be another Yeah. The the kid the kids all to a point of contention. That is like looming big on their shoulder. They do not want to see that happen again. Because I mean what you're saying offense and defense. Offensively they, they, they should be putting up a lot of points. Right? We expected it. Yeah, they score some points. So they put up points last year. So, so defense is gonna be the, the big key. The defense is the key. And New coordinator. Yeah. Um, they're not going to have a lot of depth on the defensive side. They're not going to be very big. And they're staying healthy. And they got to stay healthy on that mm-hmm. side of the ball. That is the key in terms of what they're going to do this season. What's interesting and why a lot of them are mad is Groundland State had won one game last year and Texas Southern beat them. And they're not coming back with a much of anything. They got DJ, which people are questioning whether he's going to be sick. Can he get out of his own way in terms of his age? Right. The backup quarterback that a lot of people thought was a lot better, he transferred to Fort Valley State. So he's gone. So you don't have a lot of depth there. So I'm surprised that I guess it's the magical name of Doug Williams saying he can't be this bad two years in a row. And the, the, the magical name of Grandma State. Yeah. People just, just look at that and they say, well, it's point. They, they got to get done. Well, shift gears real quickly. Sure. Well, shortly. I have a question to ask you. Okay. But remind everybody, this is another Cajun Pickle Wildcat podcast with our guest, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. How can folks get in touch with you, Doc? And then Wildcat come to you about that. Then I'll get to my next. Thank uh, you. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N. Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can email me as I do a top ten, both mid-major and major polls that come out weekly. You can email me at kcavill, K-C-A-V-I-L, at th-agency.com. Those polls are on the Sporting News. We'll give you a glimpse of them right here on the podcast for those that want to get it here. But if you want to get it directly as it come out at the top of the week, uh, just send me an email at that kcavill at th-agency.com. That is a great segue, Doc. I'm glad you mentioned the top ten because... Don't get into the, to the entire top ten, but sure. I wanted to ask you, who is the best football team in HBCU? 
Um, I think the best team in HBCU is going to be between Bethune-Cookman out of the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference and the Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions mm-hmm. right here in the SWAC. Okay. That'll be in town. I would throw in the independent team, Tennessee State Tigers, that fought for that number one spot last year, but they lost their all-everything quarterback to some off-the-field issues. Okay. Michael Jerry. Two things. One, Coach talked about, uh, about uh, Pine Bluff, how that, this, this, he said the, that was the biggest thing that he talked about, that, that them coming through at the end of the year, it was all about this one. This At some point, he said our young men, our young men, meaning guys, fellas that got the boys and, 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 and women and, and coming up through high school Rank college kid. that look like you and like, like, look like us, mm-hmm. at some point, has to develop some. Has to develop some discipline, either in their life, either on the field and off, and not let it be a reflection of what somebody thinks you are or perceive you to be, but who you choose to be and a character that you choose to carry with you through life. Absolutely. Where you come from is not an indication of where you can go. All right, now Wildcat, how can folks find you, sir? You can find me on Twitter at AKSVDCSR, YouTube, AKSVDCSR, and Blogger, AKSVDCSR. The College Sports Report can also be found on the front page of KingSizeView.com, the online edition of KingSizeView, the print newspaper. Shifting gears, we didn't touch on this last Sunday. It wasn't because we didn't want to talk about it, but uh, let's talk about Danny Manziel. And his issues, his signatures up for once again autographs, up for grabs, whatever you want to call it, brokers. Again, <laughs> Go ahead. Let's just once, talk about once, that. Once again, the friends you choose at some point you need to let them go. And they shouldn't be in your business, all your business, whether on the field or off. Because that seems to be the downfall of what's going on with Johnny Manziel and the Hernandez situation. Too many people that you've been hanging out with, so-called your boy, that you grew up with in high school, you should be grown up enough at some point in life to realize you need to succeed and show them and, and just push them over to the side and say, you know, we can hang out, but we can't hang out. <laughs> If you, if you understand where I'm coming from. I'm going to take a little different perspective. I think you, what you should do is choose your friends wisely from the beginning. Because I don't think it's a problem of keeping your friends around you. I just think you need to have quality people around you. So you should choose your friends wisely from the beginning when you start uh, diversifying yourself of who you decide you're going to hang with. I have many people that have been my friends all my life, uh, but they happen to be good people. And so I can deal with them now because they tend to help me make wise decisions. So I think it's really about who you're dealing with in particular. But really on the Manziel issue, I think it's far less about who he's hanging around with. I think he's a guy that's a privilege. Uh, he's always, so I don't think he's had a lot of opportunities where people had to tell him no. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically been able to do what he wants to. And there's a blessing and a curse to that. And in this case, when you're in the NCA, which is the big brother that has a lot of rules, 
That's true. Whether you like them or not, they have the rules on the paper, and we can talk about whether the rules need to be changed, but that's a whole separate discussion. Right now, the rules are on the table, and the problem you have with Manziel is there a question on whether he broke some rules. We knew a lot of the things that he was doing earlier were trivial to us. Some of it was funny. Some of it frustrated us. But essentially, they were not against the rules. There was one brush that had some legal ramification, but most of them weren't even legal issues. Now you have a case where a gentleman that was the Heisman and the face of the institution and the face of football in Texas and has an opportunity to lead an institution uh, to a championship, now there's a question, will he even be on the field uh, when it counts to be able to do that based on the decisions he made off the field? Now, with that in mind, we all know the NC2A, they are the big brother in the sky. But their downfall is twofold. One, they don't have to answer questions to anybody. That's nice. Um, if you can get it. If, if, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's a private entity. Not, uh, the members ask to be a member of it, and that's their big premise. For a reason. Yeah, it's because of the financial gain, but you can't take away the fact that they ask to be a member of the institution of the governing body, right. which makes it difficult, which is your point. Right. When I put rules on it, one of the first things that they throw out is you ask to be a part of it. Yeah. And in that process, they can stay quiet and silent through this whole Absolutely. situation until they decide it's time. It's time. And Same thing with Cam Newton. They did that. Covered over the whole season. And that's where I was going. Now you have all these uh, a related situations, but you, the difference between the two is one was a short period that they needed to get all everything done. This time you've got time on the NC2A side. Before, Auburn was putting pressure on NC2A Move this fast or we'll be going to court. Move this fast or we'll be going to court. And they put pressure on NC2A to, like, move quickly. Well, a was trying to do that, too. Remember, they all they, right now, they hired the same lawyers yeah. that pushed right. the issue at all. Right. Mm-hmm. But you don't see them pushing toward the rights game. They're pushing toward the Alabama game. Correct. So that, not, that still gives you time. Even though you, you're in a short period of time, you I got still it. get time. You're not pressured for, the, for that first game of the season. And when one thing about college football. But you got to remember, even last year, though, as your point in totality is correct, last year they told him that Cam Newton could play, but they didn't issue everything was safe until near the end of the season. True. Until they actually made their remarks. So they basically could do the same thing here. We can say, hey, at this point he can play, but we're not saying that we're not going to punish you if we find out something. Mm-hmm. And they didn't release that information to Cam until, like, what, late November, December? Right, yeah, right for the bowl game. But the bottom line is there's been no video showing that he's accepted money. And the guys are not talking. And that's the other thing. Even though a phone call was made to start this ball rolling, the people involved not talk. have not talked. They talked to the media, but they said they will not talk to the NCAA. And how, how that will all unfold, it will be interesting. Very. That's that's one of the problems. We talked we talked about the NCAA being you know, this entity, but <laughs> they they have no – they cannot force people to testify. Correct. They cannot force people to tell them – to speak to them at all. Like the feds. Exactly. So they have power – but they don't really have enough power to get things done like this. I mean, you know, let's touch on it. I can't think of the young man's name, but young man at Duke, when he was having problems, 
he was accused of the, the diamond ring, whatever. No, no, no. Uh-huh. He had the diamond, the jewelry. He had a watch or something. Oh, wow. Uh, $67,000 for the, you know, no, no way in the world. A, a college student, not coming from a wealthy family, should be able to get this, this watch. But, and people are saying, well, you know, what is the NCAA going to do to Duke, Duke being a blue blood of college basketball, et cetera, et cetera. He said he could do nothing because he didn't speak to him. So it just went, went quietly away. He's done because that was, it came out and Duke won the championship in 2010 or 11 when they won the championship. He was part of that team. Everybody's saying, well, now Duke's now championship is going to be declared ineligible because they, they use an eligible player. He didn't speak to him because he wasn't, he didn't have to. He wasn't required to talk to the NCAA. Lance was, Thomas. Lance Thomas. Thank you very much, Doc. So, Johnny Manziel, his people. Don't have to speak to the NCAA. So there's only so much the NCAA can do. That's correct. Excellent point. That, you know, there's another, this, as a lawyer, his representative, lawyer attorney, said for Manziel. He fully expects Manziel to play game one against Rice. One, because there's no video for, there's no footage as far as we know so no, far. No, Manziel sent front, uh, accepting any money for autographs. So without that smoking gun, this isn't going to go anywhere. Paper trail. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't going to go very far. And, you know, playing against Rice, playing against St. Houston State, those first two games, okay. it's not a big deal. Game three against, against two-time defending champ Alabama at Kyle Field. That's what everybody wants that to happen. That He's going to play. Now, the NCAA may come out game eight, game nine, right. and say, well, we've concluded our investigation. This is what we've determined. You've spent it. For the next, for games going forward. Right. And that's, that's really what it's going to come, come down to. But your point, uh, about him coming, a privileged young man, not being told, no, that's a problem, you know, in sense of entitlement. Writer for Fox Sports. I don't know if y'all heard about this. Her name is Jen Floyd Engel. I guess that's how I pronounce her name. Engel. E-N-G-E-L. Compare this situation, compare Johnny Manziel to Rosa Parks. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, compared, yes, I, 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 had a, I, I had an issue with that. I kind of like just threw up. Now she did say, just touch off, on a much less historically significant scale, so it is with 90 football. And no, it's not intended in any way to compare the vast evil of Jim Crow to an incompetent NCAA investigation or the slings from TV commentators. She's just trying to compare that wrong is wrong. Well, that's a hell of an analogy, though. Johnny football situation to Rosa Parks. But anyway, any thoughts on that? I thought it was essentially just a reach. I think as she stated herself, and she even kind of noticed herself that it was a reach, and she had to put the disclaimer in there. So if you have to push the disclaimer in there, why even try to make the right. reach in the first place? And we know what it was. It was because it was sensationalized, and it would get people to read the article and you'd hope that the other parts of the article would make sense. Uh, but in and of that, I just think it's a dangerous comparison. And in a lot of ways, like we find out in America these days, I just think in a lot of ways it's, uh, it's insensitive to the plight of individuals that see Rosa Parks as a true American hero uh, based on what she stood for, the decision she made to not go to the back of the bus at that time which obviously we all know history past has left to um, the civil rights era and all the other things that took place. So I just think that it's really insensitive. And so for me, it loses the other points that she tried to make 
that were actually some pretty good ones because I was so stirred up on the original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Comparisons you tried to make, and so that I think sometimes you can lead yourself. I will say that it is interesting that you have an individual privilege that is, in my opinion, NCAA's worst nightmare because of the privilege, what he looks like, and it's just what it is. We're not saying it's wrong or right. We're saying it is America, and that being a quarterback, being a American, European American quarterback with privilege is that a lot of people are going to look at this a little closer and they're going to take the time many of us have been screaming that we didn't think it was right all along but now you're going to have more people take the time and question what do you mean that I have a son and he can sign an autograph I can't sell it but you the institution can sell it you the NCAA the governing body can sell it most people are going to say I don't understand this is America that doesn't make sense and so that's the, the bigger picture she was trying to make, which I think was a great point, but the way she did it, I didn't agree with. What she got was she got reads. She got reads. Yeah, that's she what got, she wanted. She got, I, never, I never heard of her before, before this article. Now, I didn't know who she was. You just mentioned down my next topic of the, of the week. Our friend, Dave Billis. That's what I was going the, to. Yes. The, uh-huh. the attorney. Yes. Folks, and I will give him credit. He's been screaming this for a while. Wow. And again, I'm telling you, it was the person that made the, the attempt that he did again that really catapulted this to what many would people talk about as the tipping point. Because he did the same thing with Cam Newton. He screamed it on ESPN all the time. So I give him credit, but go ahead. The fact that he is a practicing attorney, he's what he what comes out of his mouth. He knows he has to choose his word, his words very, very, very wisely. Yeah. And he's well read in terms of law. He understands what he's saying. But what he did this week, I think, speaks volumes, volumes on where we are and what the NC2A does Can with, you an sure, yeah. with an individual's number, name, and your likeness. Because what he, I mean, real quickly, for anybody who doesn't know what Jay did, he tweeted at his, his account, uh, asked his followers to go to the NCAA Sports Apparel site and uh, type in Johnny Manziel's name, basically. Yep. And, it, and what came up was uh, Manziel's number 12 Aggie jersey and all these things. Uh, so the NCAA selling Manziel's jersey. Did the same thing for, for Clowney and all, all of them. And it turns out, I mean, Jay was just called the NCAA hypocrites. You know, that the NCAA is investigating a problem where a young man is getting money for his own, his own signature. <laughs> yet the NCAA <laughs> is selling his, his jersey of which he would get no money from. Right. Of his own jersey, no. The school would do the same thing and it was making money plenty, hand on fist over Danny Football, Danny Manziel, Jersey, Danny Manziel. They have an opportunity to take a picture with Johnny that they sell him for like $20,000 this year. Yeah. And, and I know that there are some Aggies who are not happy at uh, season ticket holders of football and how things are being treated because a lot of the football, the push for the expansion of Kyle Field and all those things were kind of tied to we got the Heisman Trophy winner, we got all this money, and now things, I know the Maggies are just fed up with the whole man's situation. They're just tired of it. They wanted, yeah. they wanted to go away. They're not happy with how it's making the, the university look. But it, apparently the marketing side of, of A&M is trying to cash in so much on Johnny Manziel, that they've asked 
for more money from the Aggie alums, and it pissed folks off. So they're just tired of all of that stuff, you know, because, I mean, Aggies support athletics. They support their own, but they've reached a tipping point. Look, we're, we're not going to just keep doing this, give you money, and then I said, I'm not sure if I'm going to get my season tickets, even though I'm giving all this money already. I mean, you ask me, it's more money, and I'm still not going to be guaranteed my, my season tickets. Oh, no, this, this can't continue. So it's, it's hypocrisy on the NCAA level. It's hypocrisy on the Aggie marketing level. It's all over the place. And, I mean, and of course, I know there's some people out there who will say that these kids are getting scholarships. They're getting free rides. They're getting all these other things. You know, that's true to a point. But those saying folks who, who use that argument can go out and make money off that kid's autograph, make money off that kid's jersey, so they can do all those things that the kid can't do. Correct. So, I mean, those things have to change. The hypocrisy has to change. But well, Wildcat, go ahead. I wanted to cut you off right there. But I just had to want to explain what, oh, no, no, what, no, 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 what he no, did. Oh, and, and one last thing. And the irony is Mark Emmert, president of the NCAA, said uh, after Jay Billis called him out on it, they took down the NCAA site. They took down the search, search engine search, first. Yeah. The search engine first. But, a day later. But, <laughs> later. And then they discovered that the, Three days later. the apparel company was a third party, and they completely decided they were getting out of, out of that business completely. So they built us really now, had an impact. With yeah, that yeah. being, that's, and that's why we're going to go with next, because once he did what he did, everybody just started saying, well, let me see if I can find some obscure name out of uh, And basically, any player that's on Division One football, it doesn't matter if it's FCS, uh, FBS, you put somebody, somebody in Division One football name up on their search engine, they'll find the school, the jersey, the name, and everybody had this look on their face afterwards, like, what the hell is going on? Also, apparently somebody in the process has started breaking down the percentage of what the NC2A is getting, what the third party is getting, how much is going to the school? Do you and call it percentage breakdown? Um, if I'm not mistaken, the school itself, after a certain amount of jerseys, that's the other thing. And see, today we would put money in your pocket, but your school has to acquire a certain amount of jersey sales. Jersey sales for you to get any piece of the pie. Other than that, if you don't, if you don't sell amount of jerseys, I say to my jersey, you don't get any piece of the pie. You just get what was handed out by by the TV revenues and the, the radio, uh, 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 whatever the NC2A decides. The regular allotment. The regular allotment. And that's it. Now, everybody keeps talking about, and we mentioned this a couple of uh, other week about the breakdown of, you know, paying players and all this. That came up also in the conversation. But it all boils down to what are you going to do for the TSUs, the Sam Houston States, because they'll be on the same level because everybody that's in FCS, those are the programs that are going to be suffering because they won't have enough to put any money toward Olympic sports. Not just for right. women's sports because you know you got to put a certain amount. It's like I mentioned the other week, Tile 9 sits on the table first when you start talking about dividing up money because now you, you can't hide anything in the boardroom. It all gets out because somebody... Because we all, we've all sat in on meetings, and a couple of companies have gone by the wayside, Pinsolve being one of those, 
Because of what was said in that, that uh, right. Mexico, because of what was said in the boardroom, you can't hide from it anymore. Money will always be sitting on the table. Title IX be sitting on the table, and NC2A will have to either figure out a way to get through this first part of the mess with the the the, the jersey sales and the third parties. The last thing I would say on this is part of it is essentially what you're getting to is the total landscape of what we're used to seeing as college sports, as a member of the NCAA particularly, some degree NAIA as well, is going to change. And the next point of our contention that we'll be looking forward to is the summit that, that the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert, called for February. And it all falls back to the conversation we had last week, that information out of the big, big super conferences, that big circle. That group will definitely have a say-so on what transpires. Oh, they'll have a huge impact, no yeah. question about it. So what's on your mind, you know, as far as... Basketball. A little bit of basketball, only because... Was that's that. Exactly, Wildcat. That's what I want to talk to you about. Yes. I, I, I was incorrect in one thing regarding the, the, the uh, amount of times the Rockets could be on TV or teams could be on TV. I, I, I was going to ask uh, you about this. Um, the NBA announced the schedule on August 6th for all the teams. The Rockets obviously being one of them. The Rockets are going to be on national television at least 26 times. And what did you say? I, well, I, I was thinking a team could be on, I think, 22 times okay. uh, at the most. But one of the numbers I had in my head was 10, depending on the network, ESPN, ABC, TNT, etc. Gotcha. Um, the Rockets, the team can only be can be on ESPN a maximum of 10 times. Okay. The Rockets are one of those, one of six teams that are on oh, ESPN 10 times. Um, they're going to be on TNT at least nine times and be on NBA TV six times, maybe three more times. going to be on ABC just once. That's against the Miami Heat, I believe. So they got a Christmas Day game. Christmas Day in San Antonio against the Spurs. Day game. I like Not the evening game. Day no, no, no. This game is at 7 o'clock. Well, so, folks on the West Coast. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's that right after down. So it's the power, power of uh, Dwight Howard. And, and to an extent, because when the Rockets acquired James Harden, it was right at the beginning of the NBA yeah, season last year. So they, the schedule had been made. And they had games added, TV appearance added to the schedule as it's, this last season progressed. But the Rockets are going to be on TV 26 times. That's almost a third of the 82-game NBA schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, a good thing. And, of course, I'm talking national TV. And – until an agreement is reached with uh, that network, who I won't name because they're not doing anything for us, that local network, that uh, sports station that doesn't have deals with DirecTV or, or the other and he's been carriers. And has been in right now. So uh, right now. those 26 games may be the only time fans, fans can see the Rockets play. They'll be out in the wind somewhere you have, <laughs> you have that, I mean, that carrier. You know. I, I, I am amazed that they were able to get as far along in this situation as they have because now we're going into season three with this with this contract with this company, and nobody has seen them find a way, a middle ground to make that work. Um, and I, with with the Dwight Howard situation, some kind of way it's, it's, it's going. I, my gut tells me somebody's going to just bend over backwards and, and figure out says we just got to put them on TV. Who? Who's going to do that? Somebody. I'm looking for one of the teams to do it. I'm not looking. I'm not looking for that. For that. For that. That, 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 
the network to be doing it. I'm looking for, for the team to do it. Because well, they already signed. That's, but, a, that's the thing. Astros, Astros are the majority stakeholder in the station, yeah. not the Rockets. Yeah, and they already signed the contract with the station, so you're going to have a breach of contract if you do that. So, so the Astros owner, Jim Crane, is the one. His people are the ones holding because the Astros aren't even – their game's on on TV either. You know, it, well, it's, it's, it's bad for them. Right. But right now, they're so bad and in, in such a major rebuilding mode, them being not on TV, see the people, see them lose so much. It's not, not necessarily, a bad, not necessarily thing. a bad thing, but in terms of the Rockets, Rockets have, are now one of the it teams in the NBA now with White Howard, so them not being a local TV is going to hurt them. Right, and I think that's when it's going to be interesting to see what type of market we have in terms of the interest of the people pushing the issue in terms of being on TV, because that's who they... See, that's what the powers that be in terms of direct TV are pushing their interests. Is they're saying that we haven't lost any yeah. viewerships in terms of people uh, cutting off their direct TV to go to another Comcast or what have you uh, to have this network. So they can kind of sit back until they see it hitting their bottom line, which, again, is based on the people. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think what you're getting into to the point is that you have people that have so many different mediums to find out stuff, and you're probably seeing more people that go to the bar uh, to, to find out, more people that follow stuff on the Internet. So it's going to be interesting to see where this television starts to fit in this new uh, model that we see in terms of and, and a, entertainment. And a big problem that the Rockets are facing is they're not the Texans. Yeah, that's dead in the nutshell. This is this is football country. I, I, I think you know, you say it for Houston. Yeah. welcome to football country. As if the if the Texans are kicking butt this season, oh my goodness, and just rolling through the NFL and and getting ready for the playoffs come November and December or December or January, yeah, nobody will care about the Rockets until after the Texans are done. And if the Texans get to Super Bowl in February, you talk about All Star break before yeah, somebody thinks about you know basketball. But, the, the, but that's a good point. But the other thing that, that they really aren't worried about so so far, I think it's ticket sales, uh, because it's just starting to get to be a a single uh, single uh, single game ticket single game ticket situation almost at this point now because um, they've created enough buzz that uh, it, it's it's getting that, you know it's actually well I think that's a good point that you talking about when we look at how you market a program when we just talked about Texas Southern in terms of that mm-hmm. and HBCU sports, which you can see on that level with the NBA, NBA has done a very good job of driving people not just to watch the game on television, but watch the game live and they've done a lot of things in their arena to make sure that you have the social engagement and all the different entertainment with the timeouts and things of that nature that, that has focused a lot of people to say that I want to go to the game, which is your point. And so they're not losing the ticket value in terms of people's interest. It's just not the same in terms of television. They're going to the game. And the tickets went up this year. I don't doubt that at all. And, I mean, with Dwight Howard, James Harden, Chandler Parsons, Scott the Rockets are the team time. to see. But even with all the great things that are going on for them right now, they're not the Texans. You know, and <laughs> as long as the Texans, it's a twofold thing. The fact that they're going to be on national TV at least 26 times, that gives fans opportunities to see them on TV those 26 times True. and still watch the Texans. So they don't have to, they can get, hey, I'll get my Texans fixed 
I get my Rockets fixed. You'll have those diehard Rocket fans who say, look, I have got to have my Rockets. I got to get this network. So I got to switch. I got to see them. Right. That's not a huge number of folks. Correct. That's not, that's Which not your driving the bus, the bus to get them that carrier to reach deals with other satellite cable providers to get this deal done. So as long, I mean, the more time they're on national TV for everybody to see could be a bad thing right. in terms of getting the deal done. There was an article maybe you know, three weeks ago that a person, a well-respected person in TV advertising, TV marketing, et cetera, who did not believe a deal would get done for two or three years. So if that happens, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, but I got a press pass. So I do have the ability to go see the Rockets in person. I only saw the Rockets on that, that channel one time last year because I was at a, uh, a, a, a journalist function and a game was on the TV. Yeah. That's the only time I saw them on television, you know, on that channel that I will not mention. So, but, uh, <laughs> preseason starts October 5th. You know what I'm not missing. <laughs> I don't have the channel. Okay. What I have does not have that channel. So I, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm not stuck with it. I listen to the game already if I want to, or I just watch other NBA basketball games and keep on going. <laughs> Because I'm not a diehard Rockets fan. Hell, even if this was the same, I'm a diehard Detroit Pistons fan. If the if the situation was the same up there, I still would not be banging on the door. I need this. I, yeah, but you're you know, such a sophisticated fan, which is my point now, is that you're still going to get your Pistons fans fixed sure. in different ways, right. whether it's on the national broadcast scene or whether it's going to the Internet to get information and get up to date, uh, whether it's seeing highlights. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for me. And that'd be enough. You know, to, 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 to drive your point home about football, this whole weekend, one of the local radio stations is pushing, they're fixing to start doing a report on a regular, uh, on a high school football, and they drove home K football the whole weekend. High school football, this is the state of Texas. And just like you said, that drives the bus in this state. And, and to piggyback that, there is a local TV station that went to Wisconsin to do stories and interview Vince Young because he signed to be a backup quarterback with the Packers. He ain't even a Texan. Obviously, he's from Houston. He played at UT. But they did interviews and segments, went up to Wisconsin to interview B.Y., a backup. a backup quarterback because of his connection football and because of his connection to, in the area. Football. Football. You, so, you said about I mean, that's, that's And to give you the last thing, on a national scale, uh, the Sports Business Journal was talking about the fact that there is uh, discussion, major discussion about having a national television station that is dedicated to high school sports that is driven by football in terms of the national Association of High School. You mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago about the Fox, uh, the Fox Network coming online with That's college the next sports. One I was to. They are people are just like jumping. ESPN, out of the, they're coming. They're, they're jumping out of the out of the record. They, they, the they got the U.S. Open. The golf is going to to Fox it, Sports. You know one. It, they got soccer from Europe. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's significant. Early Saturday morning, early Sunday morning, before they started football, uh, American football, football, um, airing as far as pre-games or whatever, they got their Premier League on. Oh, yeah. And now that's not going to be there anymore. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that's a big one. They, the people get up there early in the morning and all of these, these little, uh, uh, little brewery bars and all on the weekend. They have, they have, uh, European, uh, they have football. 
for the Europeans to come and watch. They didn't want like from two. They said breakfast from yeah, two to six. It's big. It's big. And the place was packed. It was packed. They I'm going to wrap it up on a minor note. No offense to the school. I'm going to give an announcement schedule, but you are minor compared to everything we talked about so far today in the podcast. The Rice Island women's basketball team announced their schedule. Yep. And I got a comment back from the email that I sent uh, in reference to. People just don't realize how good two programs have gotten. Prairie View and Texas Southern. They are a mainstay. And we'll, uh, it looks like, especially Prairie View, but TSU looks like they've turned the corner. And between those two schools here in the city of Houston, at least we got one team on a regular basis, year in and year out, that's going to, to the NC2A. Right. Yes. And that's Prairie View. And, and, <laughs> well, and, 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 <laughs> now, the, 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 so far, yes, yes. That's yeah, right. Man. I mean, they got a, they're not going got to the NIT. They're not going to CBIA. Tony L. Wilson, no doubt. I think it's interesting, but they're at a crossroads from the – Stand packed that what you would say would seem to be very true, but both of them just had the new coach turnovers, and so and these on, coaches have to take yes. the next step yeah. to keep this mainstay where they and are. And I think it'll boil down to not so much on the coaching side, but can you hold on to the recruitment? And they did. Both of them hold on to to their recruiting. I know with Texas Southern they had a significant recruiting class that was very high in terms of really? major or low major programs. Really? For most yeah, she of them I think she only lost maybe one. Yeah, one of the recruits. Now, there Talking was some questions coaching. in terms of uh, the how the quality of the recruits that were coming in from Toyo Wilson and the fact that uh, they're going to be asked to do a lot because they've lost a lot of the senior leadership they had in the past. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to follow. Uh, Toyo, I think most of her recruits, many of hers, I said, were junior college, uh, as opposed to Texas Southern was majority of the fresh freshmen. I think she only brought it. Coach Perry only brought in one Juco. Player and she's from this area actually played high school ball here at Houston Nimitz. Um, but the Rice Owls are kudos to Greg Williams because it's not what we would still like to see. Wildcat myself, uh, a city classic. It's coming close, but that's as close. But you Greg Williams and Rice is playing at Prairie View, playing TSU at Rice, playing U of H at Rice, playing San Houston State at Rice. So that's big. That is a a great thing to see uh, that he's playing the area universities on that schedule. They're they're part of the uh, 16th team, Conference USA. Uh, this is the senior year for the Owls' best player, Jessica Custer. Senior day is going to be tell you folks, March first. That's a good one. She doesn't realize how good she is. Um, she's a double double machine. She needs this is her senior year, her last year. She needs to do more to carry that team to a tournament. You know, um, I remember talking to her two years ago if she had aspirations to go into the WNBA. And she told me she didn't think she was good enough. And that, her her answer bothered me more than anything because she didn't believe she was good enough to get there. So I was just, I, well, what could I say to her? But she's, but she's a very talented player. She's consistently probably the best player in the conference. Now, it may change this year because the new teams now come in, but over the period of time that Middle Tennessee, that uh, over the period of time that that uh, KJ and I have watched her play from a freshman on, she can do things on the uh, on the floor that most people can't at her at her position, and the fact that she can play three uh, with no uh, no headache 
makes it that make that it stands well for what she's capable of doing basketball wise, but also the confidence that uh, Coach Williams has in her to at any point during the game, I need you to step inside and uh, and, and play post for a while, and she gets it done. She's double doubling rebounds, double doubling scoring. She can block quite a few shots. She just She's just athletic, but her basketball IQ is very, very high. Well, as you said, that was two years ago, and then a lot of us mature at a rate. And coming into uh, her senior year, uh, you would hope that not only that her talents would now meet her mindset in terms of uh, saying, let's take it to the next level. And I also hope to uh, the Rice Marketing Department will take it upon themselves to promote Jessica Custer in her senior year for who she is. Because she's conference player of the year. She's first team all-conference, et cetera, et cetera. This is her senior year. They need to do a better job getting word out about her, the team, the schedule. They're playing Baylor again at Baylor. They're going to lose, but it's still. They're playing Baylor. They're playing some big-time programs. They're playing another, they're playing another uh, SWAC school, playing Southern. So they're playing all kinds of teams that have alumni here in the city of Houston. And that's a solid schedule you know, so Southern in terms of the women's side, remember Southern was the only team that beat Texas Southern that won the conference. Correct. In terms of regular season, beat them twice. So Southern was at the top of the league last year, uh, and then you have Prairie View. So you have three of the top four teams in terms of swag play on the women's side uh, playing against Wright. So you have a very solid schedule, uh, not to mention some of the mainstays when you're talking about um, – the other Southern programs going to Baylor, uh, looking at Michigan State on the road there. They had some good games. And unfortunately, here on our podcast, you may, may be one of the few places you hear about Wright Stiles women basketball, you know, schedule there. Jessica Custer even. But that's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we do our so That's why we do what we do. So yeah. we're going to wrap it up. Doc, how can folks find you again on the Internet? Yes, they can find me on the Internet at thg-agency.com, also at the collegesportingnews.com as I do a football HBCU huddle, which we call Inside the HBCU Huddle. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter, or Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. I do a weekly poll. Mid-major and major for HBCU sports, mainly football at this part of the season. So send me an email if you want to get on the distribution list at kcaville at thg-agency.com. That's K-C-A-V as in Victor, I-L at thg-agency.com. And I want to thank you for retweeting the link to the podcast to your followers. and got feedback from that as well, so that's a good thing. We're, we're growing. The podcast is growing. Wildcat, how can folks find you, sir? Folks can find me all across the social media a world in the platforms and all. Uh, I am on Twitter, uh, YouTube, Blogger at uh, AKSVVCSR, and on the front page of the online edition of KingSideView.com. And I am uh, at uh, the Houston Rumbar Review. Uh, on the internet is at www.HoustonRumbarReview.com. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review on YouTube at Houston Roundball Review. That's the YouTube channel on Facebook as well. You can like the Facebook fan page of the Houston Roundball Review. 
Uh, I think we're getting to a point we're feeling more and more confident in the product we're putting out there, the information we're providing. So if anyone is interested in uh, sponsoring the podcast, you can contact uh, the Wildcat doc or myself on our email, on the website, et cetera, on Twitter. Once again, my Twitter handle is T-H-E-H-R-Review. And uh, to wrap it up, in conclusion, as I always say, thank you very much for listening. Be true, be cool, and do more.